0: Hello, you're listening to Wine Blast with me, Susie Barry, and my husband and fellow Master of Wine, Peter Richards. Welcome. Now, this episode is a biggie because it's all about Burgundy.
1: Yeah, it's Burgundy time, isn't
0: it? It is indeed, wouldn't all that.
1: Uh, (laughs) Because, of course, Burgundy is every wine lover's dream subject. Uh, But equally, all is not entirely well in the world of Burgundy. Uh, this feels a bit like a tipping point for the region. So an opportune moment to dive into why this might be. Uh, here's a view from the coalface face that sums up the stark reality of the situation.
2: It is a, a roaring situation. It's difficult to, to fight against nature. And, and, and then that will force us to sell at a higher price. If people want to continue to drink wines in Burgundy, so they have to be ready to pay more for that.
0: Strong words from Florent Rouve there. We'll be hearing more from Florent later in the programme, as well as from Burgundy experts David Roberts, MW of Goodhouse, and Jason Haynes of Flint Wines. Also, Caroline Druin from Domaine Druin La Rose.
1: Yeah, so the plan for this episode is to take a fresh look at Burgundy. It's possibly the most archetypal wine region on the planet, yet things are changing fast there, so it's never been more important to be up to date. Uh, We're going to use the 2021 vintage as a springboard to explore the topic. Uh, because that's the new vintage being released. Uh, it's an eye-opening one with lots of drama and intrigue, mm-hmm. isn't there? There's, mm-hmm. there's stories of catastrophe and redemption. Um, it's like a Hollywood blockbuster. But more importantly, <laughs> it also touches on key themes within the bigger picture of Burgundy right now.
0: So let's get straight to mm-hmm. it. Uh, the 2021 season in Burgundy was something of a nightmare, one of the hardest in the modern era. Unusually warm late winter weather was followed by a vicious April frost and the stressed vines, first of all, shut down and then frequently succumbed to mildew and oidium in what was a lacklustre summer. There was rain and hail, but then a milder autumn finally dragged the vineyards and their tiny crop over the finishing line. Chardonnay yields were down by up to 85% in some of the grandest vineyards in Burgundy, Pinot growers lost up to 50% of their crop. By the end, growers were exhausted and frankly rather traumatised.
1: Mm, yeah, so so much for the catastrophe. Uh, the redemption came in the form of the wines, which have turned out better than expected uh, in a kind of new wave, old school style, if that makes sense.
0: Just about. <laughs> Just about. It, was, it, it will. It will.
1: Old school with a K. Uh, it was. It was a cooler year <laughs> after the hot. You know, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. So people are calling the wines classical, uh, though. Uh, you know, Burgundy guru. Jasper Morris MW points out that the season itself was far from classical, so it's not the most precise term to use. Um, winemaking has been adapted to suit the vintage, you know, often less extraction and oak, fewer whole bunches, sometimes a judicious touch of chaptalization to boost alcohol levels a bit. Uh, and there are some really delicious wines, both red and, you know, if, if you can actually find them, whites too.
0: Yeah, there are some superb wines. It's a style... I think we can safely say we like. Yeah. Um, that said, quantities available are tiny, especially at the top end, because the frost hit the best sites hardest yeah. in 2021. Yeah. Um, some growers didn't even supply tasting samples this yeah. year because there just wasn't enough to go round. Um, and several merchants cancelled their Burgundy 2021 tastings for the same reason, which yeah. is highly unusual and what this means of course is that prices which were already high have gone up again (laughs) and some have actually doubled in real terms yeah yeah
1: and all of this is leaving ordinary burgundy lovers like us and, and most probably you scratching our heads thinking this is all a bit bonkers you know burgundy is now officially Bonkers. (laughs) Bonkers. Can, <laughs> you heard it here it. first, we can call it. Um, so you know, we wanted to try to make some sense of this, um, and we went along to the Burgundy Twenty-One tastings that did go ahead in London in early January 2023. Uh, our aim was was to talk to wise heads, you know, like. Fellow Master of Wine and Buying Director for London Fine Wine Merchants, Good House, David Roberts. Uh, so I caught up with David in Good House's London HQ, uh, which is a busy office. and We were trying not to disturb people actually doing some work around us. Mm. Uh, so I asked mm. him, Sotto Voce, to tell us about the 2021 vintage.
3: I think 2021 uh, vintage in Burgundy is quite remarkable, really, because without a doubt, it was the most stressful vintage I have Come across for the growers and what they have done and the work that they put in throughout the year. It's quite incredible to see the quality at the end of it. Um, You know, I think that. after the devastation of the frost which everybody's talked about um uh, at the beginning of april i mean the vines uh first they were just incredibly stressed i mean all the growers just talk about how you know the vineyards were brown you know across the board for about three or four weeks the vines just sort of shut down um and Growers had never seen this before, and they didn't know what to do. And then following that, um, you know, the the climatic conditions in the early summer, they were challenging. Um, Growers knew that they had very, very little crop. It was going to be an incredibly small harvest, but they had to work rigorously and probably harder than they've ever done before to protect their vines um, one from the stresses from the frost but also the difficult humid conditions during uh, particularly June and July. But I think you know that was very demoralizing for the growers but um, in the end it's come through and it's an absolute credit to the growers what they've done. I've loved tasting the um, the red wines, I think that it's sort of reminiscent for me of my early days in the wine trade, you know, going back to to the 90s where we've got wines which have got lovely elegance, lovely refinement, a beautiful purity of fruit, particularly for the reds. They have a a toa authenticity and low alcohols. Um, you know, many of the wines I've tasted are between twelve and a half and thirteen percent. I really can't think of a wine that I've tasted over thirteen and a half percent. Um so that's just been an absolute joy. And the other thing I think that is the quality of the tannins. Sometimes you think that a a cooler, later ripening vintage, the Tannins can be a little bit um, tight and a little bit linear and firm. These actually are just beautiful tannins. I think that, you know, some of the hotter vintages we've had recently, you have had grittier granular tannins. These are just so perfectly in balance. I like the acidity level. I think they're fresh. Um, So they're not powerhouse wines, but I think it's wrong to say this is a vintage, an early drinking vintage. Yes, there's an approachability to them, but actually... It's like everything. If the wine's balanced when it's young, it's going to be balanced when it's old. These will keep, and I think they'll show stunning aged Pinot characteristics. Um, They really will do so. Um, That I like. The white wines um, are very different in style to 2020. They're fresh they're vibrant you know there is next to no white wine at all you know many of our growers are talking about you know 85 90 down you know Jean-Philippe Fichet talked about one of his cuvées in merseau which he would normally produce 35 casks and he's made four casks this year so that just puts it into perspective um, I think that in general there's you know nice um nice balance nice reflection in general for the appellation they don't necessarily have the density of a great vintage but it's a very nice vintage i think the vineyards that were really impacted by the frost possibly the yields are so small that you know it's inevitable that some of that tell our authenticity has been lost because they're so intense but um i just think that it's so exciting considering everything that they were faced with that they've produced wines um, that have surprised the growers and they've surprised us and it's just so lovely to, to have them to taste. You
1: talk about short supplies. Talk to me about pricing this year. What's happened
3: on that front? I think pricing, it's, um, it is is domain by domain. It really is. And even within domains, um, it's uh, vineyard by vineyard. So you could have a prestige uh, vineyard and particularly I think that the problem is that uh, if you're in the red wine producing areas, that your Grand Cru vineyards were impacted more by the frost than the, uh, the, the, the the vines on the plains. You know, and that's inevitable because the reason why they are Grand Cru or they're a top premier cru is that historically uh, in previous centuries they were warmer locations. They ripened in these traditionally cooler years. So you got better quality fruit. Sadly, in 2021, it was the warmer locations where the budding started earlier and they were the ones that were impacted by the frost. So, um, you know, you will see that for Grand Cruz there is so little market demand is, is where it is. Negotion. Prices, you know, what they were prepared to pay. Great domains for Grand Cru were at the highest they've ever been. Um, land values are extraordinary high. So, you know, at that uh, at that level, we are seeing significant price increases. Um, but there are others where they're sort of being sort of more sensible. Some growers are saying that um, they've they have put their prices up this year, but they'll maintain them next year. Um, but you know there are price increases across the board and you know when you know you look at the volumes that we're getting i mean you know um you know i was prepared to see allocations down but i've been aghast to see how little wine there really is you know and so we have to accept it and you know demand for great burgundy um has never been higher it is a worry i mean you know we can't hide that fact you know that um you know great burgundy is a real luxury now and You know, as a wine lover, you know, there is a worry because how do the next generation or the people who just want to drink nice Burgundy, it's tough. But we're trying to find quality white and reds from these areas that, you know, the Coach Chalonnais or Northern Southern Cote d'Or and up in the Oak Cote um where there is there is value so that still true burgundy lovers can can buy wine and affordable wine Mm.
1: and you talk about uh moving into more say satellite areas but maybe which oat coats which weren't considered in the past to be great quality do you think with climate change and things warming up these areas which were maybe a bit cool
3: before are starting to become better and better quality as well as offering affordability yeah, without a doubt. And um you see that in terms of certain growers, such as, um, Sylvain Catiar, who's made a huge investment. He's doubled the size of his estate because he's, um, bought significant land up in the Oak Coat where he sees the future. That doesn't mean that, um, the, um, classic areas are going to sort of suffer because I think that the vine is an extraordinary thing. It mutates and it adjusts. But I do think that areas like the Oak Coat, it's just so exciting and, climate change has benefited in the same way that you see it um areas such as oxy duress or Montelly or um you know going down to Maranges you know even the reds in chassan are get you know suddenly coming back into vogue so you know in centenay as well so yeah it's you know there are um you know we worry about climate change but there are some exciting opportunities as well
1: I mean, would we see other varieties being used
3: beyond chardonnay and pinot noir or is that a step too far I'm sure people are going to experiment. They they they, they have to. I mean, I think the great thing is that wine growers, winemakers, love experimenting. They're passionate about it, so they will try. But um, I really do think that both the Pinot and the Chardonnay, you know, they will they will adjust. They'll mutate, and um, so. But I, with, inevitably, people will try. Um, different varieties at the moment but I, I suspect that the real impact might sadly be after my career is over it'll be for the next generation we'll see the joys of other varieties and if
1: we do see those which ones would you think which ones which ones would you go for
3: I don't know I think that um you know it, it, it is interesting to see I think that it's very interesting to see what a lot of the Cote d'Or producers in the Cote Nuit they're all investing in Beaujolais at the moment they clearly see you know Gamay and they're trying to adjust the winemaking process for Gamay um and um so making Gamay in the same way that they vinify um Pinot Noir so I think that you know if that's successful they're inevitably going to say well look maybe we should try that you know and and, and logically. Um I think that um you know you could see some of the sort of the um the Rhone Valley varieties sort of moving northwards. Whether I'm not sure whether many Burgundias are ready to experiment with um with Italian varieties, but you know, who knows? I mean, you know, Nebbiolo it could be yeah. interesting, you know. Who knows? I mean we'll we'll see. Yeah.
1: Burgundian Nebbiolo, those are thoughts. So finally, David, could you sum up the 2021 wines, both white and
3: red, in just a couple of words each I think red's uh, purity uh, elegance and terroir expression Um, I think for the whites um, bright, vivacious and dynamic David, thank you very much indeed (laughs) Pleasure, thank you
0: Gundian Nebbiolo, or Cote d'Or Gamay, or Syrah. Now, that's an intriguing concept.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, people have mentioned Syrah before, haven't they? It's mm-hmm, potentially import yeah. into the Cote d'Or. I know there's been some trials going on. I've not heard of Nebbiolo. Well, it um, sort of makes
0: sense, but you know. Yeah, yeah. It does it's make often you think. It like you like in Pinot, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah. But just to step back for a moment, you know, mm. what we're talking about here is climate change and the future yeah. of Burgundy in general. Mm. Mm. You know, warmer winters mean that spring frosts are increasingly an issue for Chardonnay, which naturally buds early. Chardonnay, though, is synonymous with great white burgundy. But how long can you keep fighting against what seems to be the new normal? (laughs) Um, I mean, it's such a regular occurrence now, you know, crops taking a big hit from frost. At some point, surely you have to think Mm. things need to change. Maybe the variety. I mean, especially if, you know, Burgundians have long said, it's not about Chardonnay, it's about the terroir.
1: Yeah, and Chardonnay is the vehicle for the terroir. Mm. So you could have other vehicles. You could, you could. I mean, we did (laughs) also put this question to growers, uh, which we'll come on to in a bit with some intriguing answers. Meantime, I did just want to pick up on what David said about um, Great Burgundy is a real luxury now, with the emphasis on luxury. Mm. Uh, And he also said something, something along the lines of, we just have to accept it.
0: I can understand the logic, really? but I really on struggle to accept it on an emotional level. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to be able to drink nice Burgundy. You know, not maybe the top stuff, but nice Burgundy. Yeah. And I don't just want to gaze at it longingly from afar. You want to try the top stuff? Be well, honest. I don't mind trying. We this. all do. <laughs> I'm very
1: happy to. <laughs> we all do. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it 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 pains me too. It pains every lover of good wine and and good Burgundy. But you know, maybe this is. The tipping point you know when top burgundy really does enter the realms of frankly unaffordable luxury mm. and that's the very you know I use that term in a loaded way luxury goods you know so you know These very issues of climate change, of pricing, changing grape varieties, were topics I addressed with grower Florent Rouve, uh, who not only makes wine in the Macronay, but also in Jura in eastern France. So he has a unique perspective, I think. Uh, I chatted him at Charles Taylor's Burgundy uh, Tasting in London in January um, while Europe was experiencing a winter heatwave. It was pretty noisy. Apologies for that. Uh, But I started by asking him how much of his crop he'd lost because of the frosts in 2021.
2: Uh, about two-thirds of the harvest yeah so the, 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 the problem was uh, that we had a quite warm uh, uh, winter and then uh, and then the buds start to develop quite early in the year then so when, when frost arrived in April which is quite common so buds were well developed then. and then so that, was, that is that is why we suffer quite a lot quite a lot of damages of, because of the frost then so we, we we lost about two-thirds of the harvest then but my, my fear was to, um, with so, uh, so low quantity of bunches to write, uh if we had a, a warm summer than in 20, for example, my, my, my fear was uh, to obtain very, very high, well, grapes with, with very high concentration uh, and with very low acidity then. So. And then finally to obtain a vintage both rare and not so balanced then. But thanks to, well, nature is not so bad sometimes. And then then summer and and spring, we are quiet, uh, rainy and cold. And so finally, even if, despite of the low harvest, so we had very well-balanced juices then. So with acidity, crispy, refreshing Chardonnay, once again, what we want to show in Burgundy normally, so...
1: So a sort of classical, fresh, crisp, refreshing sort of style. So you're happy with how the wine's turned out in the end?
2: Oh, yes, definitely, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, of course, for some people, for for, for new consumers of wine, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a little disappointed because uh, uh, compared with 20, for example, the structure is much, much more austere. Uh, but uh, for me, it's a classical vintage, and then it is what I've... Uh, it is why so Burgundy has such a fame worldwide because of this style of wine. So we used to do. Yeah. So that is why yeah, I'm quite happy finally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what are the big issues in Burgundy right now? What's everyone talking about?
2: The frost again, uh, because. Uh, as
1: you so would that tie into? Sorry to interrupt. Would that tie into sort of climate change more generally? Yes.
2: Yeah. In general. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it is. A, it, it is a quite worrying uh, situation because uh well, yeah today i don't know what is the temperature today, but it, it, it is it's quite quite warm there for 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 being in january then so uh and and the birds uh start to 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 get random now so and then and then we are afraid to 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 be in the same situation that in twenty one then so we are trying to um uh, to think about what to do then to uh, to produce wine, despite of this frost, then so maybe we have to change the, the way to, to prune the the, 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 the vines. Uh, maybe we have to change the the way to work uh, the soils, and then by I mean, for example, trying to uh, to plow less and then to keep more grass. And then, so yeah, so there are plenty of things that we can think about, uh, but it's difficult to to fight to get against nature, as, as you imagine. And so my idea is that, well, we'll continue to lose uh, grapes, <clears throat> and then we have to to, to keep in mind that uh, the harvest, the average harvest uh, in Burgundy, uh, would be will be in the future more around. I don't know, maybe 25 to 30, 32 per hectare, and then 50. I mean, what we used to do until now, and 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 then that will enforce us to sell at higher price, even higher price. But that's it. And then it, it is the situation. I mean, and then if, if people want to continue to drink wines in Burgundy, so they have to be ready to pay more for that because nature will be uh, less generous uh, the year coming. So, yeah, that's it.
1: But you're interesting because you make wines in, in Jura as well. Now, Chardonnay is difficult in Burgundy because it buds early and these spring frosts keep coming with global warming. Could there be a situation where, you know, you change the grape variety for, for a less early budding variety?
2: Yes, yes, yeah. Well, I, di- I, di- I, di- I didn't want to, t- to, tell you that, to tell you that before because, uh, as you can imagine, Chardonnay is so, I mean so representative of what is Burgundy. So could you imagine tomorrow's uh, Burgundy made with uh, uh, Sauvignon Blanc or, you know, or with Marsan or-
1: Maybe not, but, but, but maybe with some Jura varieties, yeah. which isn't so far away. Could that be feasible?
2: Yeah, actually, I, actually some people try to, to plant Savagnin in, in Burgundy now. Yeah, yeah
1: uh, people are planting it.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, why not? I mean, of course, we, we have to be um, open-minded. To face this situation, of course, but uh, yeah, it's difficult to imagine Burgundy without Chardonnay, and and, and, and and I think that first, before imagining planting new varieties, so I think that we have we to do with Chardonnay first, and then uh, and then if if there's no choice, so we had to change then the grape, of course, but uh, yeah. Finger-crossing that that, that uh, well, this global warming will be stabilized a little bit this year, and, and then and then we'll be we we'll be able to continue to produce Chardonnay. And as I told you, we have to uh, to make our calculation, uh, and then to um, to think with uh, average harvests, and then and then not a normal harvest. Let me explain. For example, 22 we had we had a good harvest, good crop. But I will uh, surely not reduce uh, my prices, uh, despite of the quantity available, because I hope I, 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 I will be wrong. But considering the, 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 the winter we have, I'm afraid that in, 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 in this vintage we have frost again. Then. So and then that is why I told you that we have to think about, yeah, okay average of, ind- of, 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 of yields and not, not normal yields uh, that, will be, that will be due each year then. So.
1: Florent, thank you very much indeed.
2: Well, thanks to you. And then I hope that you will understand my English because it's quite poor. <laughs>
0: So there's another one to throw into the potential Burgundy mix, Sauvignon. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I really like that idea. Oh, it's mean, absolutely one of my favourite white grape varieties. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to see it Wouldn't in Burgundy. It Why not? To see yeah. it in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's yeah.
1: interesting what yeah. you said. In that sense.
0: <laughs> but really, I think the, the key point Flora is making, they'll probably stick with Chardonnay mm. and accept that some years they're going to take a hit on production quantity because of climate change and frosts. So as a result, their commercial approach will be to keep prices high to offset those losses, yeah, fair I mean, enough. That's, that's what he's saying, isn't much
1: it? Much the long and short of it, yeah. isn't it? It's the blunt truth. And thank you to him for being honest. He's based in the Macquarie, remember, this, this is not some of the grandest it's Not sites. the coat door, is that's, it? You know, and you can understand the, the, the policy from the growers' perspective, can't you? You know, mm. uh, I suppose it's just it's just sad you know this is the world we live in now uh, the, the world of climate change uh, you know and, and of sky high prices for some wines particularly those in classic regions which then become only available to the seriously wealthy
0: yeah yeah and and quite a few merchants we spoke to this year said they were and i quote amazed mm. that people were accepting these seemingly annual price rises didn't they yeah, um, yeah. and even they were questioning how long this could just keep going mm, and yeah. um, jasper morris said this is a problem can't see how this vintage can justify and what he meant the, the mm. was the steepest pri- the the price rises yeah. and and he also said Burgundy has to be really careful. Do
1: you know? I can, I really agree mm. here because I suppose the point he's making is this is a sort of lighter style of vintage. It's yeah. most people are saying it's not going to yeah. age. It's not a blockbuster. So to charge really, really high prices really for a sky high kind prices. Of not the but most. Stellar. do you know?
0: Again, though, Burgundy has a magical appeal, and yeah. people will want yeah. to keep on those allocation lists. Mm. Yeah. So I think it just seems that maybe people are prepared to buy one or th- one or two or three bottles for the same price. <clears throat> excuse me, that they used to get. 12 or well,
1: 6 or 12. It's, it's almost a form of self-delusion, isn't it? <laughs> I'm getting my Burgundy at the same price. You're getting one bottle yeah, where you've got 12. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the issue is scarcity, isn't it? And of course. And that's why of course. Burgundy you know, can, can do it. And and that's, of course, increasingly fueled by climate change. So it's, it's a vicious circle, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, you know, um, Burgundy's definitely making other classic regions look good value right now. And it's also spurring the quest to find good value, Pinot and, and Chardonnay alternatives, isn't it? But we're, we're going to come on to that, aren't we? Yeah, we will. Uh, meantime... We will. By way of brief summary at this stage, um, the challenging 2021 vintage in Burgundy, which was frost hit, then cool, has made some lovely, fresh, lighter styles of red and classical whites, but they're in very short supply and they're pricey. Uh, climate change means growing seasons will likely remain challenging, and growers will keep prices high. Don't be surprised if mm. other great varieties are trialled in Burgundy, but equally, don't be surprised if they just stick with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir.
0: Yeah, so following on from the varietal theme, and also looking to the future, I spoke with Caroline Druin, the ninth generation mm. of the family estate Druin LaRose rose in Gévry-Chambertin. I asked her what are the big issues in Burgundy right now?
4: Each generation has a new challenge and I am nearly 40. <laughs> and so the issues for my generation, my colleague, uh, is to to continue what we did since a long, long time, since long generation, because we want to, to continue this really traditional um, uh, job and we want to continue to have vines and to have great wine uh, because um, now Burgundy wine are really well known and very famous all the world, in all the world. And so we need uh, to continue to have the perfect vine to respect the nature. To 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 do uh, great pinot noir with the different uh, problems of climate, problems of uh, yield, problem of yield. and so we we have to 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 find the good balance between the the quality and the respect of the nature, and also the big challenge is to transmit to our children because. Uh, why we get up uh, each morning is because we want to continue and to give this passion and this job and our, our challenge to our children.
0: Do you ever see um, a change from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in Burgundy?
4: Yeah, of course. We, we, uh, each year we have a, a more concentrated uh, Pinot Noir, more... more uh, elegant Chardonnay uh, due to uh, of course the climate but also uh, due to the culture because now we we, uh, we we try to have the perfect balance between the, the grapes and uh, the energy of the vine because we can't have a, a lot of grapes in, uh, in, uh, in vine. We have to manage this so we reduce a lot the, the yield uh, due to uh, because we want to have the best quality, the best concentration in the grapes. So now it's, it's each if we haven't damaged with the climate, we have perfect uh, regular grapes. Uh, It looks jewelry. (laughs) Just thinking
0: about Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, can you see a time when those grape varieties won't work anymore that you, because of the climate and getting warmer, are you going to have to look at other varieties?
4: Yeah, of course. there are. As I said, uh, we have interprofession who, who help us uh, um, and who we'll try to, to find new, new selection perhaps or new, uh, uh, new opportunity with other um, variety. But for the moment, uh, I trust in Pinot Noir and in Chardonnay because the nature have the powerful to adapt uh, and to continue to, to move with the different Problems uh, in, of uh, climate and uh, and so uh, when there are pinot noir everywhere in the world and sometimes in really hot r- region and uh, we they can produce really good pinot noir. Of course, the 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 characteristic are a little different than all pinot noir actually at this time. But I I, I imagine we can continue to to have the same variety and we will adapt uh, this variety to the new challenge so when you talked about
0: um passing on your vines and your vineyards and your traditions to your children what do you think the future holds for burgundy
4: i would like to have the answer (laughs) it's uh we don't know what what will be the, the 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 life of our children and what will be uh, the 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 wine the Burgundy wine uh, in the future? But I hope they will have the same quality of life than us. <laughs> I expect for them to have the same uh, um, the same customer, the same market, and the same product because we are really really lucky with uh, with the, the Burgundy wine and all this the staff and the market and the customers Caroline thank you so much (laughs) you're very welcome
1: (laughs) so they want Burgundy to remain top dog in the wine world understandably but I do sense concern for the future there too Uh, you know she's talking about sticking with Pinot and Chardonnay and accepting reduced yields too, like Florent did. Uh, yes, of course, Burgundy can make warmer climate style of Pinot Noir, but is that really Burgundy? You know, and at what point will people simply stop buying because it's unaffordable and atypical?
0: Those are the big questions. Mm, yeah. They are indeed. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and actually another issue that people mentioned in Burgundy that I noticed um, mm. right now beyond the climate yeah. is that a significant amount of vines are having to be replanted because they're dying. Yes. I mean, I think, yeah. I think it's... People think it's something to do with poor rootstock selection. Yeah, I mean, no, one, one merchant too. said yeah. it was as high as twenty percent of vines per year needing replanting, and well, no one really knows why. I that's, mean, that's yeah, worrying, isn't it? That's really. I mean, it's intriguing, but it's definitely worrying, and it <laughs> is certainly not going to help the scarcity and the rising price issues. Yeah. Is it? Know, I had
1: heard about this, mm. and you know, perhaps God, add that into the mix. To, in another episode, yeah, it? you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's really concerning on top of everything else. I know. As you say, I know. You know um, so, moving pile on. Pile it
0: on, pile it on. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> pile on,
1: uh, uh, on and moving on. We've got one last interview looking to the future with the softly spoken Jason Haynes of Flint Wines. Uh, I caught up with him at Flint's 2021 on premier tasting and asked him how sustainable Burgundy's price rises are. Or is it just that Burgundy has a magic stardust
5: that people simply have to have? I think there is a new generation of wine buyers who in a way have only never really known the prices of days gone by so you know they perhaps started buying four or five years ago and this is what good Burgundy costs and and it's probably fair to say Burgundy has never been as good as it is now Um, quality control is significantly higher Uh, viticulture is is better Um, so I think There are strong reasons why prices are very different. I suppose what what the best way to to look at is, well, you can, wines haven't really gone up, it's just the cases have got smaller. So instead of getting 12 bottles, maybe now you only get six or perhaps only three for the same amount of money. But that, that, we're talking about an improvement in quality, but what's key is you do see it filtering all the way down the hierarchy. So today, you know, quality of thing of bourgogne blancs and lesser appellations is so much better than it really was so you don't necessarily have to go all the way up to to the really big names to get something of of high standard and actually i'd be very happy drinking a bourgogne pinot noir for example if it's made by christophe rumier so you know there are a little insight into your tuesday night drinking habits well, jason if, if only but uh you know good winemakers diligent winemakers i think they they care about their their lesser wines as much as their grander wines and then i think that if if i was ever to give anyone a tip about what to buy would be buy lesser wines from from better better producers
1: climate change it's on ever we're talking about it this vintage with the frost how do you see burgundian producers responding to climate change
5: Interestingly enough, obviously, when we talk about climate change, we're, we're generally talking about the climate getting warmer, um, and yet we're talking about frost. So obviously, to be specific about Burgundy, it's basically because of warmer winters means everything is more advanced. So frosts are not really happening any more severely or at different times of the year. It's just the vines are in a more dangerous or vulnerable position than they used to be back in the day. There is. You can do slightly later pruning to to offset against that. Um, Long term, I'm not sure that's necessarily the right way to go. Um, in terms of frost prevention, of frost, I, yeah. The, other than praying that, that you have a very very cold December and January, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's much we can really do to, to prevent that. I hope that people don't. Get to a stage where they actually want to rip up Chardonnay and Pinot and start planting Syrah and Grenache in in Burgundy. I think that would be a great shame. There, but there are, I guess, picking earlier will become, you know, the norm. I think the days of Burgundians being able to go on their August holidays is probably for now anyway a thing of the past. Um, when they were harvesting in 21 back in in Around about mid mid to late September, I mean that was the first time they'd done that for about five years, and um, that would have been the norm for for, for decades. Really, interestingly, um, for a lot of winemakers this year, they it probably, the younger ones. It would have been the first time they've encountered a, a, a cool cool vintage where they'd had to have done things they haven't had to have done over the last three or four years. It was the first time in their in their winemaking career. Um, so it was interesting. Tasting the twenty ones, and then you perhaps relook at odd bottles of twenty or nineteen in the cellar afterwards, and you suddenly think, "My God, those feel rich!" And at the time, they felt wonderful. Um, but it was yeah, it was very refreshing to, to taste a vintage like twenty one and actually remind oneself why one fell in love with Burgundy originally. I suppose.
1: Um, and last question: You you know you've built your business largely around specialising in Burgundy, not exclusively. You do other things too. How do you see the future for the region?
5: It's, it still feels very positive. I mean, something we've always wanted to do is try and find the next genius, if you like, young genius. Um, and you think, ah, oh, surely there can't be yet another one out there. But they they do keep cropping up. in you know, quite not quite like buses, but they um, there is always someone who comes out of the woodwork who's doing something really exciting, um, has an ambition and a passion and a. A work ethic that is just really impressive, and is reflected in in their wines very, very quickly. Um, so, in that sense, I'm 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 very positive that that this the new generation will just keep coming through and keep keep the energy within Burgundy. Um, Burgundy seemed more open than it was in the past. I think people, if they were making good wine, they kind of it was a secret you know i mustn't let anyone see what i'm doing or how i'm doing it and there's much more communication now much more sharing of ideas and that can only be a positive thing
1: jason thank you very much indeed pleasure thank you, thank you.
0: I suppose it's ironic that the the quality of lesser Burgundy is better than ever because climate change means vineyards that were too cool are now able to ripen properly and make good wine. Yeah. But at the same time, climate change is making top Burgundy ever more expensive and, frankly... Unaffordable. Yeah,
1: it's paradoxical, isn't it? It's, it's not a straightforward picture. Um, I mean, Jason's obviously positive about the future, you know, and it's certainly not all doom and gloom, is it? You know, there are some delicious burgundies out there. There's loads of ambitious young talent. Uh, there's huge heritage there. It's amazing. But, you know, you do worry, don't you? Um, mm. You know, for example, Jason mentioned they're looking at selling village wines to restaurants sort of over the next year at around £50 a bottle which means £200 probably on the restaurant list. That's for a a young sort of, Lesser,
0: a village wine. wine, not a Grand Cru, not no, a Premier so Cru, sort of a wow. or a bone,
1: or a, a whatever. Two hundred quid a you know. And he did concede, he, he did concede that that, and I'm quoting, feels like quite a lot of money.
0: Exactly, you know, a,
1: a, And he admitted that was a worry for him, you know, as he, you know, you know more so than the tiny quantities of Premier Cru or Grand Cru that were going to go into a private cellar that some some wealthy person could mm. afford. Mm. And that is a worry, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you yeah. saw a, a two hundred quid basic Gevri yeah. well, or, we'll or, or pomar yeah. on a list, no you know, well, you buy
0: I, I tell you what then, back to the quest for alternatives. Um, and yeah, right now yeah. we'd say that if you're looking for delicious Burgundian style Chardonnay and then, you know, Pinot Two. You're looking for it because you you simply can't afford two hundred quid a bottle, yeah. you know. Then I would say, and we I think we'd say, New Zealand and Australia have never been on better form, have they? No, that's very and, true. And we could men- mention a very long list of names, but I think you know picking out just a few, Cumie um, River, Dog so Point, a
1: sort of Chardonnay type. Yeah,
0: Chardonnay. Yeah. Well, mostly Chardonnay, I would say here, but Cumie River, Dog Point, uh, Vidal. Yeah. Black Mm. Estate, Elephant Mm. Hill, they're Mm. all in New Zealand. Um, And in Australia, you've got Vas Felix, you've got Toll Puddle, Mm. who also make... Sensational Pinot mm. uh, Lewin Estate Shore and Smith Tapanapa, Oceanate mm. So mm. they're all Making terrific Chardonnay Now it's not going to be cheap But you know It's still it's alternative, Delicious it? Alternative mm. Chardonnay um, As for Pinot Noir You know Coastal California Has some exceptional wines As do Australia and New Zealand again um, mm. yep. And of course Don't forget the up and coming Cooler climate places Like England right, um, Canada Germany <laughs> Yep And they're you all
1: add Sort of parts of South Africa To that couldn't you You know uh, the, the cool you South You come across those England. When you were there Elgin, absolutely, there's some really good... Good yeah. good stuff there. You yeah. know, uh, although I would also say about all of these places, none of them are exactly cheap, are they? But they're not
0: cheap, you know, but
1: but maybe they're not going through the roof as well. Um, they're not they're not yeah. expensive and getting more expensive. They're quite expensive.
0: they're quite reliable and, they're and delicious. It, yeah. They're worth you it, know. it yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Anyway.
1: Uh, I think you know, I think we could do another program. On I that, think we, we, could, we, to be we honest. could do that, Burgundy why not? Yeah. Yeah. A, but that is definitely another programme. We're yeah. not gonna do it here. We're gonna keep <laughs> moving. That's <laughs> not gonna do it now. We're here forever. oh dear So so we wanted to finish by recommending some burgundies, <laughs> didn't we? Both from the twenty twenty one vintage and more general drinking Uh, and what we're going to do I think to save time um, and so we don't end up sort of reading out a shopping list is we'll put a full listing of recommendations on our website and we'll put a link in the show notes to that uh, and we'll just feature the highlights here.
0: Yeah yeah okay so generally speaking with the 2021 Burgundies that we tasted we found the whites to be the most consistent often Mm. fresh mineral in style quite serious Poised, we might say. Mm. Nothing kind of overtly sexy, but the best were gorgeous Mm. in a beautifully steely style. The reds are mixed, but generally on the uh, fresher, lighter side of things, Mm. as we've said, the best are fragrant. They're crunchy. They're really reflective of their origins and very seductive. Frankly, what great red burgundy should be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you certainly don't have to worry about high alcohols or overly extracted tannins. Generally speaking, the top wines, if you can find them, we would say don't really justify the extra cost because they are so eye-watering. <laughs> um, I mean, unless... Of course, you're absolutely rolling in it, but um, but you know, better <laughs> well, to go for well. the good village or, or lesser premier crew level, and mm. um, where there's some great wines to to be had.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so Matthew Hayes, writing on JancisRobertson.com, described the Reds as like Proust's. Madeleines, uh, a fragrant remembrance of a bygone age the innocent pleasure of youth and i really quite like that that's a nice Beautiful. way of putting it um you yeah, know i like that and i just like i, I really like the wines yeah. you know we really yeah. like the wines it's yeah. important to sort of say that anyway so so for our 2021 vintage top tips uh, all of which we bought uh, our top three were uh, a white was les heritiers du camp la Vire classe 2021 which is about 28 quid a bottle it's nutty and it's Gorgeous white. Um, a, a red, a cheeky red, Jean-Pierre mm. Vincent Charton, Bourgogne Rouge, Champ de, Champs- de Pedrix in English, uh, 2021. Uh, it's about 19, 20 <laughs> mm. quid. It's a more Ooh, funky lovely. natural style, but it's sappy and yeah. savoury, grippy perfume. It's the kind of Bourgogne you don't get in Pinots elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so we, we really like that. And then a, a sort of more splashy-outy red, um mm. La Rose, Gervais Chambotin du Climat, 2021. Uh and that's, this is not because we had Caroline on the programme we, we, we love that wine yeah uh, sensational yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's splashy out for us 58 pounds which is whisper
0: splashy it. out for us yeah um, it's definitely I do it's not it splashy was, out compared to some other wines
1: no that's true so you know everything's relative but yeah. it's just sensational beautifully yeah. fragrant classic red burgundy yeah wine. yeah beautiful the yeah. kind of thing that yeah. haunts your soul
0: and I always said the, let's hope they haven't actually sold out they probably have haven't <laughs> yes, they um, anyway moving on to more general recommendations we definitely say picking up upon David Roberts' point, we're finding pretty good value in what might have been perceived as lesser or satellite Burgundian appellations. Mm. Places like the Maconnet, Haute Côte, Marcenet, Santonet, Ozidores, Givry, Mercure, and of course just the straight Bourgogne. But you do have to be led by the producer there.
1: Absolutely vital. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of all recommendations, you know, and in terms of producers, it, it does seem like the most celebrated domains have almost kind of vanished, haven't they? They've been spirited <laughs> off into the you luxury. You just don't see them, ether, do you? Yeah. You know, haven't they?
3: Mm.
0: And it's
1: either newer names or more humble wines that are the ones you, you really need to look out for.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a couple of tips. Are, uh let's start with the white. And um, so yeah. we've got Le Collin Bourgogne Chardonnay 2020. It's a great shout at £19.50 and that's at Stone Vine and Sun. Um and then for reds, we've got Domaine Vaudoise, Bourgogne Rouge 2020 again. Uh that's 1925 at Private Cellar. And they actually have a white Bourgogne at the same price that's also very yeah, good, it don't is, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Another red is Sylvain Patay Marcenet Rouge 2018 uh, which is around 23.50. Now it was at the Wine Society, we're not quite sure if that's still available yeah, but it will uh, be somewhere. But hopefully. Um, or another Marcenet Domaine Dere Frère, Marcenet Champedrix 2018 again 23.50 at Lee and saint
1: And we have checked, I so mean do uh, on Wine Searcher, a lot of these are available internationally so, you know, it is well worth searching for them where you are um, and, and just, to, you know, we have been enjoying, full disclosure, a lovely <laughs> glass of Burgundy while we've been recording this episode, haven't we? we have, You'd we be have. disappointed if we weren't. Uh, it is a cheeky uh, saint 2018 mm. Domaine Trier. Uh, we'll put details of that uh, as well as a couple of other Burgundies we've been enjoying this month
0: on our website. And that's where we must leave things. Um, so by way of a super brief mm. summary, Burgundy is getting ever more scarce and ever more expensive as the 2021 vintage demonstrates. But also, as it shows, it is capable of a greatness and uniqueness that is still unrivaled in the wine world. <sighs> Our advice is to enjoy Burgundy while you still can, whenever and however you can. But equally, don't be shy to look for alternatives.
1: Amen. So there we have it. Uh, Our thanks to David Roberts, MW, Florent Rouve, Caroline Drouin and Jason Haynes. Uh, We'd also like to thank and flag up the excellent work of Jasper Morris, MW, on his Inside Burgundy website and podcast. It's a great resource for Burgundy lovers,
0: isn't it? Absolutely. And as we've said, do check out the show notes on our website for more information and all those extra wine recommendations. So until next time, cheers!